We're ready to go. All right. That's all we need. One person and one phone. Father, thank oh, just Jesus. Jesus, thank you uh, for who you are. And Lord, I we just ask for your presence here. We ask for a presence of your Holy Spirit. Not only to communicate uh, what you want us to communicate, but also to open up hearts to receive what you have for us. So, Father, help us to communicate it well, and we pray for open hearts to receive it well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. It's the Niners next week, right? It is the Niners next week. Super Bowl Sunday is next week. Okay, we need to know, are y'all going to show up or are y'all having Super Bowl parties? Do we cancel class next? Okay, good. Okay, we got one person. That's all we need. Okay, you would get two people. Yeah. Okay, so we're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. All right. Are you doing a Super Bowl party that you need to cancel class for? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So that's good. I guess if she goes with you, it's okay. I am not a sports person. Um... But I have learned to appreciate them more. Now when I go to sports parties or I watch the people watch the game, and that's a blast. It's a lot more entertaining sometimes than oh, watching yeah. the game itself. Yeah. I don't watch the game because I don't know what's going on, but I watch the people watching the game, and that's hilarious. He was just on a news Kobe Bryant guy. What? What? Are you serious? Oh, wow. no. Well, Lord, we just oh, looked up the Bryant family and the family of all of that, Lord, and we just ask your blessing upon them, Lord, that as they're, uh, as they're in this time of grieving, Lord, Father, you just come alongside them and oh, and lift them up and um, comfort them. With the millions and millions and millions of dollars, I hope he knew Jesus. Yeah. So, wow. wow, that's right. sad. That's Never very know. sad. Never know. Um, exactly. What did you say, Johnny? You never know. And do you want what happened yesterday to be your last day and your last memory? Do you want the last words you spoke to your spouse to be the last or words? Or you didn't speak to be the last words you spoke or didn't speak? Because it can happen in a minute. We were talking to someone else just this morning, and um, their brother didn't wake up. They had to climb in through a window. Didn't wake up. Happened to my uncle last uh, last Pepper, year. Last it year. doesn't, um, you know. So yeah. <sighs> Giving. So I suspect that after today's class, some of you may not like me, but the Bible says you have to love me. <laughs> so frankly, I don't care if you like me or not after this class. Uh, but I'm we are assuming something there already, aren't you? Uh, I am. <laughs> I am. I, I'm assuming something because what I found is that sometimes the truth in the midst of everything in society can be very difficult to swallow. Not as easy as that cake. That cake goes down really easy, it's really smooth. The truth sometimes really isn't. So one of the things that Pastor was talking about today, you know, you shall have no other gods before me, and how do you know what your God is, and pretty much where your passions lie and stuff like that. Let's flip the question. What's God's passion? What is God's greatest passion? Me. 
What about you? Is it just you? What is God's greatest passion? People. What about people? Love because people. love for the people. Is it? Love, love encompasses a lot of people. I would just say love. Well, we we can say. What'd you say? God's passion about having relationship. Relationship with them. He was and is so passionate about that that he gave his one and only son so that we could be do we know the word? In relationship with him. Reconciled. So we can be reconciled with him. So God loves everyone, and yet that's not enough. Because it is because of that love that we have reconciliation through Jesus Christ. Sure. So, can we all agree that God's greatest passion is reconciliation, considering he gave his own son for us, to have that relationship with us? Is that a safe assumption? Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question. What's your greatest passion? And don't lie to me because it's church on Sunday. <laughs> I know the proper answer in here is Jesus. But frankly, if your checkbook and your actions don't show it, don't lie to me. Johnny? I'll be the first shopping. Say. Okay, <laughs> shopping. Johnny? Uh, being able to provide and take care of my family. What does that look like? Being able to work and because that's, I can say that that's also something I fear to not being able to do. Does that fear drive you to make suboptimal decisions about your family? Suboptimal? Yeah, that's that's a word. That. Huh? Not the best. Not the best. I would say, yeah, it's in there. Uh, what about, I don't know. My life is like a EKG, always ups and downs. Yeah, you're really not going to like me when I say this. <laughs> People without a vision perish. Huh? Hmm? Kids. Kids. Mm -hmm. And God's, and we, we discussed that. God loves us, we're His creation. I differ with Gina at one point. We're not all his kids. No, We're I his, think my kids. Your kids. I, I understand yeah, yeah. that. I understand that. So what about your kids, though? My passion is them. Is your, is sure that, you know, that I, they're loved and that they feel loved. You know, they come from a, a divorced home, so. Okay. Okay. How about a deeper perspective? We think that our kids are our kids. They're not. You know, they, they may have literally come out of my body, but they're not our kids. First and foremost, they're God's. God is the creator of life. I mean, I think, I mean, and this is a marriage class, relational care, okay? How many times we got together, all right, and a child was not produced? One egg and one sperm, totally different, make a totally different child. 
That child is created by God. That child is God's. We are the stewards of that child. We have received those children from God to steward them. So when we look at it, it's like it, it makes a difference in my perspective when I realize that my kids aren't my kids. They're God's kids. And just like everything else that I have, how I steward them makes a huge difference. But if they're my kids, then I'm 100% responsible for what they are, what they aren't, what they who, who they are, who they're not, the gift. And, and I'm not responsible for that. I didn't create them. God created them. They just came out of my body. Does that make sense? Does that sound weird? And and when when I'm able to see my kids as God's kids, it helped me with the leaving and cleaving really well. Because how many of us have longed to leave our parents? You know, just leave us, leave, you know, leave and cleave because the Bible says when I when I marry Jean, I'm to leave my parents and cleave to my wife. And I, I remember sharing in one class, and I upset so many people that if if my wife and kids were drowning, and I could only save one, who am I going to save? Wow, you're not going to like me. <laughs> my wife. I'm bound to my wife. I'm not bound to my kids. Even if she's going to be mad at you after she comes out of the water and says, why you didn't get my kids? But she's going to say that. <laughs> Maybe more than that. I mean, it, it, this is the deal. I love my children, and I would do anything for my children. Okay. And we have done a lot. And for we our have children. done a lot for our children. <laughs> but I can't control them. But ultimately, our children yeah. are not our children. They're God's children. And my it, house is not my house. It's God's house. My car is not my car. It's God's car. And the thing that hel really helped me with that is the fact that God loves my kids more than I possibly could. And sometimes I just get in the way. Because I know how I came to Jesus. I had to be at the end of my rope. And if I had somebody giving me more and more rope, guess who I wouldn't have needed? And that's just the way it is. And when we talk about God's, uh, the Father's greatest gift to us, we talked about that last week being identity. Ultimately, when we look at the greatest gift Jesus gives us, it's reconciliation. And he gives us a lot. And we talked last week, we could, we could go on to 2,050,000 and just touch upon the great gifts that God gives us. And at the same time, if we look at what Jesus gives us, he gives us reconciliation. And that's God's greatest passion. So we've heard some of the greatest passions in here. So I'm just going to ask you this question introspectively. You don't have to answer it. Yes, don't have out to answer loud. it. In fact, it's probably a good idea you don't answer it out loud. <laughs> Is your greatest passion reconciliation 
with those who are closest to you. Because if it's not, then maybe your priorities are a little messed up. Maybe they'll like you. Go ahead. <laughs> when, when we talk throughout this whole lesson, I mean, this is the biggest impact that I've received from what we've studied so far. We cannot give what we have not received, right? It's yeah. better to give than to receive. If we're having challenges with reconciliation, have we understood the depth of the reconciliation that we've received from Christ? And actually have taken hold of it. Okay. Because every single day, every word, every action, every inaction, every thought, every time that we don't value ourselves or value others, this is not meant as condemnation, but in essence, we're devaluating, devaluing, we're lessening what Christ did on that cross for us. Because we're saying we're not in agreement with all you sacrificed. That's heavy. Christ sacrificed himself so that we can become one with him. We can become his bride, right? So we can say we can become one with God because marriage, the two shall become one. Christ is our groom. We are the bride of Christ, right? I'm not speaking anything weird. I'm speaking biblical. We're saying um, Isaiah, um, yeah. Isaiah 54, 5. For your creator will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. Jeremiah 3.14, Return, faithless people, declares the Lord. I am your husband. Are we being adulterers? 2 Corinthians 5.18-19, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we have another question. What does reconciliation look like? We often talk about the practical aspects of love, what love looks like. Because love is an action. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is this. Love is that. What does reconciliation, what does godly reconciliation look like Bueller Brian Did they take that step first? No. 
So you had to humble yourself to move forward. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you for sharing. Restoring the relationship back to where it was. And for me, confirmation would be to that is if if I was upset with Gene, and then the next I said there was reconciliation, but the next time Gene walked in the room, what is my first thought about her? Does it go back to oh, whatever happened, or is like my friend again, you know, or whatever? Okay. Acceptance okay. within the church community and within the body. Okay. But I think acceptance of like the pastor who would be able to come over and shake your hand or the congregant or other church member who could see the forgiveness that God would guide people to the acceptance of each other. And okay. also kind of rejection to those who may not be reconcilable. Okay. Um, I think it's for me it's an acceptance. Okay. Okay. The other round? Reconciliation is just dedication to your Dedicating what you want to reconcile with, meaning giving everything to that person or thing, whatever you're trying to reconcile with. So work and dedication. Okay. Okay. Goes along with what Brian was saying: perseverance and and um, commitment, choice. Johnny. And then Paul. Okay. I would. I would. I would. When I think about reconciliation. I have to get out of the way. Uh, what I mean by that is, because you say golly reconciliation, because a lot of times it's almost like we, I know for me, it's like, no, they need to see it. Yeah. <laughs> they need to recognize it. Yeah. But that ain't what God told me to do. He told me to be reconciled, to be and an agent of reconciliation and that is forgetting about sometimes what was done to me or the, the things that I was uh, I don't know offended by or whatever it may be but forgetting about how I feel about it and do it in this time okay. thank you for sharing it takes a lot of vulnerability and humility to do that um, Paul and then Giovanna. 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 So Paul. Paul was. Um, reconciliation to me was one of those $5 words. It, I know it meant something, but um, I couldn't have defined it stuff. Years ago, I was watching TV, and there was a, a TV show uh, where they take scripture and they go back into the old languages that we get English out of, all that kind of stuff, right? And um, they started talking about reconciliation. And they said, so here's where I want you to go. And it was, um, you picture Adam and God in the garden. You know, they walked together in the cool of the evening and you know, all that, that whole picture. And they said, Adam and God, they were reconciled. They were united. They were you know, together in that death. And in the fall, we were separated from God. Jesus came and reconciled us to the Lord. It's like, oh, now I've got a, de a definition. Um, so Jesus died on the cross for that, but he didn't stuff it down our throats. 
He allows us to make a choice to be reconciled to God. It took me till I was like 34 years old to even acknowledge him that. But it it deepened the understanding of what it means. Yeah. It's not just okay, you can be my friend again. But when I see you walk in the room, my heart kind of jumps. It's like, oh, Lord, not again. I have to it's, put on the smile and so act right. What, what I'm hearing here, this is good stuff. Brown, God, you know, this is good stuff. And it does paint that picture of doing whatever it takes to go back to a similarity of Adam and God walking together in and so this is thank you this is good and thank you for sharing that because if we look at that prefix re when we talk about redemption reconciliation all those re words that that are used in scripture it means that re word means that prefix means to return to God's original intent and design which we've all screwed up so um, I I figure um, I thought re means again I thought but anyway um, I don't want to correct you because you're the teacher so anyway um, I I'm thinking um, reconcile means to um, to be reunited um, or to come together again mm -hmm. and so but what I'm thinking is like an um, an estranged relationship. So, like, um, my picture is like an estranged husband or an estranged wife. They come together and be reconciled again. So, I'm picturing, like, as sinners, Christ came and um, reconciled us to, um, to himself. So, we was estranged. We was, um, you know, estranged from God. Mm -hmm. And it took Christ's blood on the cross to reconcile us. So we was once sinners, and as Romans 3.23 says, we'll all have sins and come short of the glory of God. And so by Christ's blood, we was reconciled, um, we was reconciled through Christ. And so we come together again through the blood of Jesus. Right. We, was re, we was reunited back to God. Right. So that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Amen. Now in a practical sense, because if God's greatest passion is reconciliation, and it is, and his greatest passion is to be reconciled with us, his kids, as a parent, how comfortable is it for you when your kids are fighting and bickering? It's not comfortable at all, is it? I mean, do you like it when they're kicking each other <clears throat> and they're yelling at each other? Get out of my, don't touch my stuff. Because God's greatest passion is reconciliation first and foremost us to him but also us with one another so the stuff that brian mentioned the stuff that uh, ron mentioned the stuff that johnny mentioned about humility pressing in doing what it takes even if it doesn't come back even if the other person was 95 percent at fault and there's a broken relationship as a result of that. Are you willing to take ownership of your 5%? It's not fair. And humble ourselves and continue to press in for the sake of God's greatest compassion, which is reconciliation. Are we willing to do that? Lee? No. 
No, we're not. I'm sorry, but don't apologize. I'm the one who's suffering, and my suffering is much more than you can even begin to understand. So don't tell me what I have to do. Or to even add to that, you're suffering as a result of the pain that you brought upon. So again, like she said, don't tell me how to feel or what to do. Uh, they're, they're going like this. So basically she's saying, and not only to what Leona was saying, but that person was the one that brought on the pain. See, now, the, here's the thing, though. I didn't tell you what to do. I didn't. I didn't tell anybody in here what to do. I just asked a question, are you willing to do it? But because you asked me the question, and I know what the answer is, <laughs> you are now telling me what to do. And let's just be honest, guys. We all do this. Oh, we Absolutely. all do it. Absolutely. And, and I did it. Bottom line is, if there's anyone in this room that hasn't at one point or another felt that way with one individual in their life or another, you're lying. Yeah, that's true. Okay? You're she lying. She called us liars. Well. <laughs> I, I said throughout your life, you could have been two years old. When you said, there was a qualifier. Because you keep stealing my cookies. No, I'm going through it right now. Right now, there's someone in my life. Okay, so we know what the, Lee said it. I know what the answer is. This is church. This is, we know what the answer is. Really, we do. We know what we're supposed to do. Yeah, so what's preventing us from actually doing it? Pride. Pride, what else? I don't want to be hurt again. Pride. Vulnerability, fear. offense. Who said fear? Pride. Fear. I said fear, but she said she didn't want to be hurt again. Yeah. That's fear. Yeah. Denial. Denial. Denial, how so? I don't believe in that. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So God, God's word says that, but it just doesn't work in my life. You know, in the beginning, Gene, you said something. When you first started, you said about not being able to give what you haven't received. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, and you, I think it was Ron, that said something about it's not like recognizing both you guys spoke on it. the ultimate of what the Lord gave to reconcile us and really taking the grasp of that and you know it, it, it's, it's something how I can speak for myself I can go through those things and, and I understand I know where God has brought me from and, and, and still it, it take some real tugging for me to hold on to that and not let Johnny and his feelings mm -hmm. and his thoughts mm -hmm. and what what like Leona said they did it the 95 percent is from them and and still get to that right that's hard and we we as we as you know sometimes just me I'm talking about me I can be outside of church be around co-workers whatever and I'll see 
their relationship from the outside. And if I'm not careful, I probably compare it to because I'm a Christian, my you know, I have to be careful not to do that. Because I'm bracing myself for something I don't even know about. But again, it's what's been given to me or what's in me that I'm able to put out. If I don't have it in me, I mean, it's easy for me to use the excuse, that's why I'm not. Okay, I, I want to read something out of the passion, out of um, the message translation. You've heard this verse, not in this translation. And then Joe and then David. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God, can we can we concede that reconciling with others would please God? Okay? Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has miraculously given to has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. Second Peter one verse three. And that's the best invitation we've ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. So we've already been given it. The question is, have we truly received it? Do you remember day two? What's the biggest gift? The ability to receive well. So have we truly received that gift that God has offered us? Or has it remained in a box? Has it remained unwrapped under the tree for the last 20 years? Or have we received it and now it has become a nostalgia for us? Something of the past. I did that, been there, checked that box, so I'm good. You might as well put it in a book with the rest of your travels. It's like getting the key to a car that's stuck in a Bible. You never open it up to discover that the key to this wonderful car is there, and then you finally do open it up, and you're okay with the car still sitting in the garage and not going anywhere because you're prizing it and you're protecting it but it's meant to be used. And then when you finally do use it, you realize that there's a lot of dry rot in there. Because Joe? you believe the wrong thing and you didn't put it into practice on a regular basis. Joe and then Dave. Um, I was just gonna say that uh, basically took the words right out of my mouth. But um, yeah, just because in, in that, that second Peter 1, 3 is, is very accurate because God has given us everything we need but have we had the desire to pursue it exactly because again that scripture is either it's either right or wrong there's no there's no gray area there's no kind of fence to sit on right it either is or it isn't so you can believe it exactly. or not and so but if I believe it now right it now the onus is on me to pursue after because I think many times what we do is we sit and we pray oh God give me give me give me give me give me give me and God comes back and says I've given you give me give me give me 
you have not done that you have not wanted to do the things that it takes because from what you're talking about it takes sacrifice mm -hmm. it takes time it takes study it takes application it takes humility it takes humility god's not going to pull your brain out in the middle of the night fix everything for you and slap it back in your head and then you get up in the morning and then oh thank you i mean it'd be great i'd be the first one to sign and up for it normally <laughs> the other person and go you're a different person now it, exactly it comes down to really what are we what are we willing to sacrifice to get the gift exactly because i think many times we want to sit there and put our hands out and say just put the gift in my hand and I'll move on. But please make sure that it's wrapped in a red bow. Right. And make sure that, and, and it can't be too heavy. Right. And please don't put too much other stuffing. Okay. You guys got the idea. David? Um, yeah, I think I, you guys have said most of what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. um, the only thing I would add would be the idea that you mentioned it, Johnny mentioned it too, the idea that what we, ha what we haven't been given <clears throat> but you have to come to that realization that you have. Mm -hmm. You have been given that reconciliation and to make the connection between the two. Yeah, and I, part of it is sometimes the way we come to Christ. If we come to Christ under hellfire and brimstone preaching, we come to Christ because we're scared. I'm, I'm not... You know, I love what Peter said. Where else am I going to go? Where else am I going to go? You have life. You have the words of truth. Where else am I going to go? There is no other place. Lee mentioned something. You know, I'm hurting too much to do this. We don't want to deny that hurt. We don't want to deny that hurt. And at the same time, and you know us, we are huge on healing and everything else and going after those hurts and bringing healing to them. But frankly, we can't use that as an excuse. So I, I can you hang tight to that thought? Jesus is sweating blood in the garden. <laughs> He's about to go to the cross. He knows what's going to happen. And he asked his disciples, what? Could you what? And what were they doing? <laughs> now, put yourself in Christ's position and your very best friends who have walked with you for three years are sleeping. Does that hurt? Do you feel rejected? Do you feel dishonored? Do you feel unheard? Do you feel unheard? Okay, wake up. Can't you just stay awake with me one hour? He goes back into the garden, and he comes back out, and what are they doing? Does that add to the rejection? Does that add to the hurt? Does that add to the pain? Didn't you hear me the first time? Don't you understand what I'm going through? Don't you understand the pain I'm going through? Did Jesus use that as an excuse? Then why do we? We're so busy. You don't understand what they did to me. This is, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. I'm just gonna, they, this and that, and they just, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. 
and and what happens is you close your on, arms. We're gonna, we're, 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 we're gonna, come on, we're gonna reconcile. Really? We're gonna reconcile. Okay. Just you know. Just. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> Careful of that thing. I move slowly on I know. purpose. Okay. But that's right. This this is the visual of what we do. Okay. What Christ did, he didn't sit there and say, okay, wrong. Father and I have this plan, and I'm going to work on you. Lena, I'm going to work on you. Ron, I'm going to work on There's a lot of Rons in this class. Anyway, okay. <laughs> what he said is, the Godhead, this is a problem. This is a problem. Human nature doesn't love us doesn't recognize the love that we have it is not reconciled to us it's not reconciled for us so the godhead said let's come together let's solve this problem when we're reconciling to one another put the pain here put the hurt here don't don't hold on to this and what you said and what i said and what they said and what you didn't do and Okay. How can Jean receive anything when she's holding on so tightly to that pain? Put it here and say, let's find a way to work on this together. They're not going to like either one of us. <laughs> when you look at what Jesus went through in the crucifixion, the beating, crowning of thorns, sitting on a cross, or being hung on a cross, I don't... I don't, I, I don't want to make light of emotional wounds because they're real. And they're uh, deep. And they're, and they're deep yeah. and they cut and they're significant. At the same time, I don't think any of that compares to being beat until you can see your ribcage. Or being hung on a cross and having nine inch nails through your hands. Um, I get it, but at the same time, we don't do things because it's hard. Jesus did the hardest thing on earth. He went to a cross and he took all of our sins. And he was denied fellowship with his father. Something he had never in his life experienced for us. And he did it in the midst of emotional pain. And so we're going to say... I'm not going to reconcile with you because, uh, in my case, it was my dad offended me or insulted my wife or whatever it was. There were lots of them, but I was still, yeah, no, sorry. But it wasn't until I got a picture of what Christ did for me and was willing to do, even if I was the only person on earth that accepted it. It wasn't like he said, okay, Lord, I'll do that if half a million people come to the Lord. I'll do that if 100,000 people come to the Lord. That's huge. And we don't do things because it's hard. Are you kidding me? We don't do things because it's hard. We don't do things because we're fearful. Because we're going to get hurt again. And the truth is, we hurt Christ every day. We hurt him every day. We may have accepted him as our Lord and Savior, 
But are we faithful to him? Are we obedient to his word? Do we desire a relationship with him? Or is it a, you know, Sunday go to meeting, Monday go to bar relationship? You know? And I'm not I'm not saying, you know, exactly that, but are we are we are we searching out God so that we can prove how many verses we know? Are we searching out God so we look cleaner than we used to? To, to, to prove to others that, you know, we have something they don't. And, and I said it that way intentionally, to prove to someone that we have something that they don't, rather than to have an experience with God that is so intimate that it draws others into that intimacy. You have to reveal, or a person has to reveal that aspect of themselves. God may know it. Christ may know it in that, but a person has to be able to reveal that. You can't live within a sin inside yourself and believe that you can reconcile that sin. You have to allow those people that you victimized, that you violated, that you stole from or lied about, or you desecrated. You have to be able to externalize that through your mouth and through your prayer. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of people, you talk about giving and receiving in language, what is repressed in you? What are you believing Christ is resolving for you? Only the person hasn't done anything to externalize to the people that we've uh, violated or victimized. There's a real big truth and if, again. If they bring that out, would they even be willing to reconcile yeah. with that person? Give me but one. God, but God says. But I think that the question is: is is God saying that no matter what? And I don't believe that Christ would heal all people, and I don't believe that God uh, Christ would reconcile with all people. But I do believe that God wants us to be able to reconcile. He Christ died for the reconciliation of all. We have the choice to be reconciled. Joe, you were going to say something, and I'm sorry I did not get back to you. No, that's okay. I don't know if you don't feel like you're saying, well, I said that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> right now, she's directing everything that goes on with me right now. So, can I, can I speak now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Um, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, I'd like to read if you guys are okay from Isaiah 61. Sure. And it starts, the heading says, The year of the Lord's favor. And we recognize the, verse, the first verse because uh, Jesus read it uh, at the beginning of his ministry in the synagogue. For the Spirit of the Lord, of the Sovereign Lord, is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor and the vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, and the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So the reason I read that is there's an exchange going on, right? So, so the Lord is coming and saying, I know you're hurt. I know you're broken. I know your life is full of ashes. I know that you are in darkness. I know that you are a prisoner. I know that you are captive, right? That's hurt. That's pain. Mm -hmm. That's trauma, right? He says, I know all that. So I have appeared 
right? I've appeared to release you from that. Mm -hmm. And then what I love about it as we get further on, he says now there's an exchange. There's, there's a comfort to those who mourn. There's a crown of beauty for those in ashes. So he's doing it in exchange. So he's <clears> saying, <throat> bring this to me, and this is what I give to you. I think the issue that we have with pain is that when you, Gina, you said, when we're there, God has made provision. And what he's saying is you have that. Where you need to bring that is to me. What you need to do is you need to bring those stuff to me. And when you bring that to me and you enter that fellowship with me and you enter that relationship with me, this is what I give in return. And so I think that for those of us that have worked in this ministry for so long, the fruit is very evident. When people have the hurt and the pain and they come and they say, I'm having this hurt and the pain, what do I do? And we say, you need to take this to the Lord. You need to go to the Lord. You need to, we can walk alongside you, but you need to go on that personal pilgrimage to take those things to the Lord. How many of those people have we seen come out on the other side, healed and restored, regardless of whatever happened to the other person, mm -hmm. especially in a marital relationship? Mm -hmm. They can always attest to the fact that they have seen healing and they have seen uh, uh, restoration and reconciliation between them and the Lord, which is where, like you said, that needs to happen first because I don't get any power because we talk about we talk about not being having the power to to reconcile. I don't have any power to reconcile if I haven't gone to the reconciler and well, received that. And, and receive that. that. So how can I begin to talk about receiving those things so that I can get to the nitty gritty of working with my my spouse if I haven't gone to the one first that he can do the work in me. So that and now I can begin to right use yeah. exactly what you said. And yeah. the re you know what stops us from doing that? Because as a society, we are so in love with punishment. You're the one who hurt me. You're the one who needs to pay for that. You're not doing it the right way. You're not doing it the right way. Which, of course, the right way is determined by me and my own personal understanding, not the global understanding of what the Word of God says. I like to cherry pick the verses that suit me don't so read that the I can. <laughs> don't read the. And, and when I came at Gene like that, here's, here's what God is trying to tell me when I say, you need to pay for that. God's. God is not part of this relationship, folks. Because if I was seeing through Gene through the cross of Christ, you know what I would be recognizing? Jesus already paid for that. Gene doesn't need to pay for that. Christ already did. What am I going to do with that truth? A quick disclaimer for those, because there are some new people in the class. We do not mean that you need to remain in an abusive relationship. Correct. We do not mean that there is no consequences for behavior. Correct. We can choose the behavior that we want, but it's God that chooses the consequences. God that chooses the consequences. All right? We're not the consequence maker. Okay. 
And so you, you know, it's important that Gene say that. Somebody had, David? Were you gonna, somebody was gonna say something? No? no. All right. I think for me, um, I had to learn a hard lesson that I didn't have to wait on the other person for reconciliation. And it was with my mother-in-law, it's like, yeah, if she asked for forgiveness, I'll forgive her, you know? And then thought, like, okay, well, what if she doesn't ask? So she never asked, but I had to reconcile all that with the, like Joe was saying, with me and the Lord. It was nothing to do with her anymore. It was about me and God, you know, helping me to understand that I still have to forgive her in my heart. And once I did that, I was much better. It didn't even matter what she did anymore because now I, it, it's done as far as I'm concerned. And I was so grateful because when she passed, I was good at peace with everything. Okay. And I didn't have all that still. And, and that's it. Because you read the next part of our yeah. outline. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was perfect. Because the next the next part of the outline was forgive as he forgave you, or you will not be forgiven. Amen. That's a hard truth. You know, we talked, the lead verse for this entire series is Luke 6.38. For whatever me measure you give is a measure it is given back to you. Give a teaspoon of grace, you'll get a teaspoon of grace. That's on you. That's not on God, that's on you. There's, um, where's the, where's the quote? Um, restorative justice is a big movement, especially in schools and whatnot. And um, John Br Braithwaite, I'm not pronouncing it right, but he was one of the pioneers of it. And he says, forgiveness is a gift that victims can give. Okay. But we destroy its power as a gift. By making it a duty. Forgiveness is a gift that vi victims can give. When we've been hurt, we're victims, right? So it is a gift that we can give, but we destroy its power when we make it a duty. And what that looks like is, okay, I can forgive him, but I don't got to like it. Paul? trying to remember who said it a famous famous writer uh forgiveness is the scent of the violet on the heel of the boot that crushed it so that kind of counters what you were just saying the violet in your scenario gave up everything to put off that scent. Um, are we willing to do that? Are we paying lip service to it? And I think too often in our Christianity, we give it lip service. We're doing it as a duty and we are not appropriating or taking the forgiveness that we've received from Christ and truly offering it to someone else. When Christ offers forgiveness to us, again, he does it unconditionally. doesn't mean there's going to be, not be consequences. But he gives that forgiveness unconditionally. And he wants us to give it. We, and then Lee has something. Lee, go ahead. I was just going to say the other thing that we don't do is we forgive. We may forgive but we forget to apply 
that healing absolutely to the places where the wounding occurred in us. Correct. So we end up saying and meaning we forgiven. Yeah, okay, okay. But I'm still, like she said, holding on to the hurt so that every time I see her, I feel the ouchie again. Whereas if I if I sat before the Lord and allowed him to yeah. do the work in me, I mean, because I have been hurt. But, and we need to understand, to, to get that healing, we need to understand exactly how we've been hurt. Exactly. You know, were we disrespected? Were we unapproved? Were we, you know, what? Where did the hurt come from? Did the hurt come actually from even even a deeper wound? All right, because Ron said something offhand. All right, that triggered me because when I was in school, I got bullied, and that's what. So now, when Ron said it, it's like, don't you dare! But I'm really internally responding to what happened when I was a kid. So now it becomes an argument of, you can't say those words to me, rather than why is your response the way your response is? There's something deeper here. Let's explore it. Let's go before the Lord and say, Lord, what's, what's really underneath this? And whether Ron chooses to do that with me, or I do that alone between me and the Holy Spirit, either way, it will bring revelation. And the thing is, the reason we're not willing to do that, oftentimes is because that pain hurts too much to revisit. And at the same time, it has to be revisited. It has to be revisited. Okay, Ron, you were going to say something, and then so we're going to wrap up today. I learned we do, we do that to ourselves, internalization, mm -hmm. or self-reflecting, cycling, or reprocessing mm -hmm. victimization. And Christ's forgiveness is a way for us to be able to do forgiveness for ourselves to ourselves. But it sounds like what you're saying is whether or not we go to the reconciler and offer it is also determined by us. But that there's a way that Christ's forgiveness allows us not to get PTSD, basically, or to go through some... Christ's forgiveness and recognizing that Christ and this is going to be really hard to 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 fathom understanding that the that the cross took care of the punishment for the sin that was inflicted upon you is a one of the first keys in being able to receive healing for the hurt that was inflicted upon you. Because the same Jesus that took the penalty for those sins is the same Jesus who is prepared to bring healing for those sins. And so that, that forgiveness is a huge step to that healing. It really is a huge step to that healing. Okay, next week. If anybody we'll shows up, we'll be here. <laughs> Any questions, comments, snide remarks? All right. Jean, you want to pray? Uh, Father, we love you because your word is its so much deeper than any depth that we can ever begin to explore. And yet, Lord, the deeper that we go, the lighter we are. We thank you, Father, that, again, everything that we have, everything mm -hmm. that we are, Yep. Um, all come from you 
Um, we know, Lord, that there is an enemy, um, and we know that he seeks to kill and destroy. But, Father, when our focus is on you, there is hope, there is healing, there is reconciliation. So, Father, help us to let go of the things that we've been holding on to and let our passion be completely on our group. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys very much. Have a fun week.